really, I think probably the, the most important lesson that I took away from it was listen, don't listen to a type of music, just listen to music of yeah. all types. I remember my brother getting uh, Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue from for my for my mom for a Christmas present. And I I sat listening to that thinking, I don't think I've ever heard anything more beautiful in my life than, than this. It was just, I was just blown away. Um, and so even though I'm not, you know, not seeped in classical music, you know, just kind of go, wow, there's just some really good stuff. everyone and welcome to a new episode of Set Lessing Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and joining me today is a, a new friend. It's a connection. Uh, Chris, introduce yourself, please. Oh, thanks, Jesse. I'm uh, honored to be here. I'm Chris Coleman. I am a long-term, almost lifelong Bruce fan, uh, uh, dating back to the, to the mid-70s. I'm uh, currently the head of Twin Cities Habitat for Humanity, building houses for people in need. And uh, before that, I had a career as the mayor of St. Paul for 12 years. Oh, and, very uh, nice. Uh, the city council and uh, one of Bruce's uh, favorite places to, has always been St. Paul. So I've been very fortunate. Not, not quite the same as being on the East Coast, but uh, Bruce comes through St. Paul a lot, started started a lot of his tours in St. Paul. So uh, we had we've had a lot of fun over the years yeah um you know i had um we had just had um betsy on the show and i had asked her i said okay when you're mayor like do you get to you know like have you ever done you know um made it bruce springsteen day or or something and um she's like well he always goes to saint paul (laughs) so that's what she said you got to talk to chris so yeah uh, yeah it's actually it actually is one of my favorite stories of, mm-hmm. of, uh, of, of my Bruce fandom over the years. It, and, um, geez, I'm trying, trying to think even which tour it was, but it was when I was mayor and we declared it Bruce Springsteen Day in the city of St. Paul. And we renamed the street outside the XL Energy Center, uh, E Street. Yeah, you know, the, they just released that show on the archives. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, it did. Yeah. The uh, November 12th, 2012. Right. The it was the Wrecking Ball tour. And so yeah. and he talked about that. Right. Like, oh, the street. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He, he, he mentioned it. But the, the funny story was so I finally got it. You know, they, I finally after begging for years just to have a chance to say hi to Bruce and the, and the gang. Uh, I was down in the hallway as they were making their way out to the to the stage. And uh, Stevie comes by and he starts talking with uh, uh, Jerry Michelson from Jam Productions and a couple of the other folks from the XL. And Jerry introduces him to me and Stevie could really had no particular interest in talking to a politician, I suspect, yes. which I don't, I don't blame him, right? Yeah. Um, but, he, but so he, he starts walking towards the stage and about, about 10 yards down the, the runway or the hallway, he sees this proclamation and he stops and he reads it. It's all dialed up, you know. And he comes back and he goes, he goes, only a only a weekend? I go, what do you mean? He goes, you're gonna name the street after us for a weekend? 
I go, hey, you know, we got a lot of people coming through. You know, we can't we can't tie up the street forever. And he says, um, and and I, he says, uh, oh, I suppose you know, Prince uh, Prince would be would be mad if you if you named it after us permanently. I said, Prince. Prince is from Minneapolis. What the, what the f do I care what Prince thinks? <laughs> <laughs> which at which point Stevie Stevie hit me in the chest and goes, "Yeah, you're okay." And then uh, and then introduced me to Bruce. So that was kind of my 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 funny uh, my funny moment about naming uh, anything after Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. That is awesome. That I just can see little Stephen doing that. That is amazing. That is so much fun. Um, so before we get to your origin story, how are you doing during all this craziness? You know, uh, it's interesting because having, you know, been mayor for 12 years and you're in the thick of all kinds of things. And we've had, uh, had our challenges and struggles over the years. Yeah. Uh, everybody says, well, you must be glad to not be mayor right now uh, or, you know, in some other office. And I said, you know, the thing is uh, I always wanted to be engaged and, and be as, as, you know, helpful as I could be trying to help us get through challenges and boy, I, you know, no more challenging time than right now between the, the civil unrest after George Floyd's murder in Minneapolis uh, has just been devastating. The, uh, the, the effects of, of COVID on families and, and the devastating effect on the mental health for our, our children is just, it's just hard. So, you know, from a habitat perspective, we're just, we're continuing to, to do what we can to put people in houses, give them the stability mm-hmm. that, that home provides. And so, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm too blessed to complain about my own, my yeah. own uh, misery getting through this. I'm not, uh, it would be really unfair of me to complain because I, I really am blessed. Uh, yeah. But I think all of us are struggling in different ways. Yeah, I think we are. And it is, it, this is a, you know, crazy time. And I, I, I've talked about this a couple of times on the show. I, I certainly think in the grand scheme of things, um, the loss of proms and graduation ceremonies and concerts not attending are, are not important, but they are things we've missed, you know, having a big yeah. gathering at Christmas or Thanksgiving. And, and I do think once we get past this, we'll have to mourn that and get yeah. used to it again. So um, I, I am glad. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, it's just, I mean, you're right there in the, a lot of some of the craziness and, you know, I'm, I'm here in Texas and it, we're, it feels like we just, we don't have a plan, our state government, and I, I worry, and uh, you know, we're trying well, to do I, the best we can. Yeah, <clears throat> well, you know, I, I suspect your listeners are are all over the place politically, but I'm happy yeah. to have an adult in the White House. Yes, you know? uh, absolutely, uh, and I, I, I am, and I am too. I'm glad to have someone, and and I, I agree with you, Chris. I remember I, I have had multiple levels of leadership roles never anything like a mayor but i know that um you when there's a problem you want to be there to help fix it and i could see from your perspective you know it's not like oh boy i'm glad this didn't happen with me it's like oh my gosh i wish i was there so i could try to help things get better right yeah right yeah and uh and do what you need to do to to assist and to really be on the lookout for people and make it about something other than yourself. You know, any, any politician and everybody gets accused of it, but 
Uh, if you're making it about yourself, then you're going to fail in your job. Uh, you know, obviously your ego is going to be invested in it. Obviously you want to do, you know, have people think kindly of you, but at the end of the day, what matters is that you, you do what you're supposed to do. And I'd rather have a chapter in profiles and courage than, uh, um, you know, have some single fonts that, that, uh, are tweeting how great I am. Uh, yeah. And, and I agree. And I, and we'll get off politics in a minute, I promise. But yeah, yeah, yeah. The, one of the things, right, is that I, regardless of the side of the aisle, in the past, you would say um, everyone was trying to do what they thought was best for the country and its people. Right. And I do right. not know in the past four years that that has been the case. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, listen, we need a, we need a, a opposing uh, points of view to to make yes. democracy work, but we also need people to be honest in their yeah. in their points of view. So absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get back to more of that. Oh, absolutely. So talk about growing up. Where did you grow up in? Born and raised in St. Paul. I, oh, uh, wow. Oh, yeah. Local <laughs> boy means good, in, huh? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how good I made, but I, I, I never got too far away from the hospital. They, they didn't cut the umbilical cord. They decided to the to the, to the hospital bed I couldn't get very far what kind uh, of but, I was going to ask what kind of music did your family listen to was there a lot of music in the house when you were younger the, interesting thing is the music that was in our house was I, I had an older brother who was 11 years older than me we're a big Irish Catholic family and uh, about the time he was old enough to start going to bars there the Irish music scene started to kind of pop a little bit in the city of St. Paul and so he would go out and and about uh you know, midnight or one o'clock in the morning on a Friday or Saturday night, all of a sudden people would start streaming into our basement and we'd have a Kaylee uh, in our basement, you know, once or twice a month. Uh, and we had some of the finest uh, Irish musicians uh, around. Uh, actually, there was a young woman at the time who seemed very old to me, but she was probably about 24 at the time. Uh, she had never played an instrument in her life and she ended up going on to become uh, an Irish uh, an Irish harp player that uh, um, I, I believe that if she didn't win she was competing in in the Irish National Championships it was just this amazing uh, amalgam and, and you know and of course uh in the in the upstairs floor of the house where where my brothers had their bedrooms uh they had a, a little you know one of those old stereos that you took you know you yeah. collapse the speakers into the stereo and so you know whenever a new Beatles album came out or any of the you know this is in the height of the Vietnam War Mm -hmm. My brother graduated from high school in 68 and another brother in 70. And so they were, all their friends would gather, you know, and sit around and listen to, to just, you know, some of the, some of the great influential music of all time. And, um, you know, I particularly remember, you know, listen to, to all of the Beatles albums uh, sitting up there. And uh, I'd sneak up there after, if my brothers weren't around, I'd sneak up there. If they ever caught me, they'd, they'd punch me and you know, tell me to exactly. never go back up there, but I'd go back up there and, and, and fumble through the records. And, you know, Van Morrison was, was a huge influence at the time. And uh, some of these, some of these other groups that they were listening to. And then of course, you know, as I got a little bit older, I started evolving into my own tastes. Yeah. Um, you know, often, we talk about siblings a lot on the podcast where you either are influenced to the positive by your older siblings or sometimes to almost you find your own music almost in spite of like, well, I don't want to take my brother or older sister's music. I want to find my own. Sounds like you found a kind of middle ground, right? Like you love their music. And then as you started oh, yeah. growing, you find your own. 
exactly. You know that uh, uh, they had they had they had pretty good taste in music. Uh, yeah. One of the you know one of the groups at the time that was hanging around the Twin Cities, of course, was Kerner Ray and Glover. Yeah. One of the first uh, you know really important blues groups, uh, white blues groups that was that was playing. You know when John Lennon and the Beatles first came to America, they asked John what he wanted to do, and he said, "I want to go hear some Kerner Ray and Glover." And oh, they were funny. playing on the West Bank, you know, the same same streets that Bob Dylan first walked when he was when mm-hmm. he was starting uh, out at the University of Minnesota, and uh, you know, and and so they, you know, just a in- interesting eclectic mix of music that they listened to, uh, and that really, I think, probably the the most important lesson that I took away from it was, you know, listen, don't listen to a type of music, just listen to music of yeah. all types. That's good. That's a really. I remember, good. quite frankly. I remember my brother getting uh, Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue from for my for my mom for a Christmas present, mm-hmm. and I I sat listening to that thinking, I don't think I've ever heard anything more beautiful in my life than, than this. It was just I was just blown away, um, and so even though I'm not you know not seeped in classical music, you know just kind of go wow, there's just some really good stuff out there. You know, Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys had talked about Gershwin. You know, he did an album of Gershwin covers, but he talked about in Rhapsody in Blue was one of the most beautiful things he'd ever heard. So yeah. that's absolutely. Yeah. Well, Do you remember when you discovered Bruce? Yeah. So the uh, so there, there are kind of three phases of my discovering Bruce. First of all, um, my sister had a collection. Okay. Of, of records. It seemed like I, I was the last person to get my own uh Okay. player or something but um we're the youngest had, we're the uh, youngest second, second, second to the youngest I, okay yep, so uh the, and and actually i have a i have a, a older brother who's actually a professional musician used to tour with uh judy moat if you know judy she was one of the i3s okay, that sure. one of bob marley's uh uh singers um and so so he was you know obviously music music was just a, a big yeah. part of our growing up but my sister had born to run and so I'd sneak in to her room every once in a while and, and, and play that disc. And that was, you know, that was about it. So that was probably 76 or even early 77. Mm-hmm. And then um, in 77, he came into town to do the Darkness Tour. And uh, my dad said, well, I've never, I've never been to a rock and roll concert before. And Bruce was on the cover of Newsweek and Time seeing the future of rock and roll. His name is Bruce Springsteen. And, um, and so my, my dad got us all tickets. Uh, he was he was mad because he had pulled strings and all he could get was 15th row center. Yeah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, I, I had seen uh, exactly, um, uh, I think I'd seen one concert before that and it was Jethro Tull. It was, okay. was the first concert I'd ever been to. And, and so, so we all go down uh, shortly before, uh, you know, right around Thanksgiving, Christmas, when they were doing Santa Claus is coming to town and the, in the Mitch, uh, medley at the end and mm-hmm. all those things. And, and, and we just sat there and I was, you know, never seen anything like it. <laughs> you know, yeah. Bruce and Bruce and his ultimate prime. Yeah. The, the whole, the whole group and just on, so tight and so fast. I was just the, the greatest thing ever and then uh a few years later i was out working in glacier national park i spent my summers working in the and you know waiting tables and bartending and Uh and things in in glacier and the tetons and uh got to be really good friends with uh, a guy from northern california still 
you know, one of my best friends to this day, 40 years later. And, um, and he was deep into Bruce and he was, okay. he was into the wild incident, the East street shuffle and greetings from Asbury park. And so that's when I started listening to, to, to something beyond darkness and, uh, and Bond yeah. run. And after that, you know, that was it. <laughs> that was, that was, uh, it was all over for me in terms of term, you know, my, my depth and my, yeah. my love for Bruce and the band. Did your dad enjoy the show? Uh, well, you know, when they, when they started passing a joint down the row, <laughs> he was, he was the majority leader of the Minnesota state Senate at the time. Okay. So, uh, so it was a little, uh, a little, he was like, okay, this is maybe not the best. Way. Uh, yeah. You know, he, he liked it, but, but yeah, he didn't, he didn't like it in, in the way. That, I mean, I think it was a, it was a spectacle for him to be able to, to sure. that he was at, uh, as opposed to the rest of us that were just absolutely mm -hmm. knocked off our, our feet. Chris, can you, and I always ask this and sometimes it's hard to do. Can you articulate what about Bruce's music once you got down that rabbit hole spoke to you? Yeah. You know, um, first of all, it's just, it's just great music. I mean, let's just, yeah. let's just start there. So you, you can analyze lyrics and you can talk about storytelling and you can talk about all that stuff, but you know, Bruce being the musician that he is and being the, the, the where font of knowledge of, of music. Um, you know, I, I still maintain that, that the Seeger sessions were as good as anything that's ever been put together <laughs> musically sure. in the history. I mean, just the incredible musicians, so much brass up on, <laughs> on, uh, on uh, the stage and, uh, and and Bruce's appreciation for music and, and how it shaped him and and, and his songs uh, is just incredible. I maybe the maybe the way that I can tell that story is um, so a couple of years after my dad took us to um, not to get maudlin but after he took us to the to the show in '78, um, he he got cancer. Uh. Um, and as he uh, as he was in treatment and ultimately passed away, uh, uh, it was the river tour. Yeah. Um, and I remember sitting in the in the audience listening to Independence Day. Yeah. Um, and thinking about my own relationship with my dad and thinking about, you know, what that meant for who I was as a person. And, and I was, what, 18 you know, just kind of coming into adulthood or whatever. And, and nothing has ever hit me as emotionally as, as that. And, and I really think about that's, you know, Bruce just, Bruce just tells a story that so many of us can relate to. And so many of us can, you know, can say, you know, in the Broadway show where he, he says that amazing line at the beginning, he says, I wasn't singing my stories about my life. I was singing stories about my dad's life. Yes. Um, and, and, and that really hit me because he's, you know, he has so much empathy for stories that weren't his own. Yeah. Um, and, and his ability to relate to, to others. Uh, and so he was just, it was very relatable to me, not because I was living a life like the stories that, that were being told in Bruce's songs, but I think in the same way that Bruce was appreciative of, of others. But then there were those times like on Independence Day that it did connect to my own life um, yeah. in a way that just uh, hit me, hit me deep. So I was a casual fan of Independence Day, you know, didn't dislike the song, but when, when he, this river tour where they were doing the anniversary, you know, they were doing the album in a 
row, you know, all in a row. And, mm-hmm. and it, it hit Incredible. me that he was now from, he was, he was telling the story from the father's perspective down. Mm-hmm. He wrote it as a young man. And now then he's singing it from the father's perspective and seeing that I thought was made this film, the song very powerful. And yeah. the idea that you know, he talked about two people that loved each other and just didn't know how to say it. Um, and there are times when I have that issue with my son and there definitely mm-hmm. is times when my wife and my son had that battle, you know, both strong. And so um, I could certainly see that the thought of that and how it would mean, especially with your father fighting this and knowing ultimately, you know, he was gone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's right. And, and yeah, I I do think about it from the perspective I have a, um, you know, a 28 and a 25 year old uh, daughter and son respectively. And and, uh, they're both fantastic, but uh, I'm headstrong. They're headstrong. Yes, and, uh, exactly. And uh, particular, particularly me and my daughter, uh, we can mm-hmm. get into it like nobody's yeah. business. And, and uh, yeah, so maybe maybe Independence Day is a, is the right song for that. Too. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I, I truly do. I do. Um, I always like to preface this, Chris, with the amount of times you've seen him perform live is certainly not a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are. But have you counted how many times you've seen him? Yeah, I don't. I, I will say that I I don't have an absolute for certain count, uh, okay. and I kind of have to go through um, each one, and I and I will preface it by I've seen him a lot, but I you know I'm I'm living in in Minnesota. If you're living on the East Coast, it's a lot. I always laugh when Chris Christie used to brag about how many times he's seen him. Yes. I go, yeah, you you live in New Jersey. How hard you walk across the street to see Bruce? Come on, exactly. <laughs> But I, I have seen Bruce uh, somewhere in the in the mid to high 80s. Okay. Um, you know, seen you know the first one in 77. Saw two of the river. Saw saw uh, two of the three shows that he did on Born in the USA, including the one where they filmed Dancing in the Dark. Um, you know, anytime anytime he came, particularly that came multiple nights, I was I was there over the last uh, 40 plus years. But then I, you know, I'd get a chance to, and I, I even count, like I went down, he was in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. My daughter was going to school there at the time and he came and did a, a rally for Obama. Right. Um, I count that. I count seeing him play, perform with um, Bob Seger at the inaugural, or not Bob Seger, Pete yeah. Seger at the inaugural. Uh, Were you there? In, uh, in, yeah, yeah, that was. Wow. Yeah, wow is the right word. That was on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. Yeah. Um, you know, but saw Ghost of Tom Jones, saw, you know, all of the solo shows and the various and the incarnations, including secret sessions. And so, you know, when you add it all up, uh, somewhere in the 80s. That's pretty impressive. Um, it, and you're right. Like, yeah, um, you know, there is the East Coast and, and most of them will admit that, right? Like they, I've been blessed. I, you know, I became a fan very early. I'm living in the Philadelphia area or Jersey area. Um, any thoughts about, um, last Wednesday night when they Bruce did Land of Hope and Dreams and on the steps of the memorial? Yeah. First of all, I, I love, I love that song. That's um, my favorite Springsteen song. If I had yeah, to pick yeah. one, it would be it. Yeah. Uh, I, I, 
it's it's so hard to say which one is my favorite, but but uh, that is uh, a song that uh, I can't get enough of. You know, so there, yeah. there'll be time there'll be times where I'll play it three times in a row. You know, yes, to, absolutely. Um, and um, I mean, that's what you know. You said what drew you to Bruce. Uh, you know, that's the kind of thing that 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 you know the perfect the perfect words of healing uh, at a time where this country was desperately in need. Um, yeah. you know, and, and so, you know, to, to come in at the night of the inaugural after everything that happened on the sixth, after everything that's been going on in this country for so long, after the COVID, you know, has, has killed 400,000 people, um, the land of hope and dreams. And I, and I hope that it really is that. Yes. <laughs> and I, I think it's, uh, I think it's aspirational more than declarational. I, I think so too. Um, I, you know, I like the idea that, you know, we'll take what we can carry and we'll leave the rest, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, so, yeah, I, I, it was one of my, it is my favorite song if I have to pick one. Um, and there was a funny point, right, where they were going to, I've, I've shared this before in the show, just, but it hasn't aired yet. Um, you know, they talked about it now, Justin Timberlake doing better days. And I went, what? Better <laughs> days? Why is it Bruce? And I was like, oh, wrong song. So, <laughs> yeah, different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, that's pretty good. So, um, well, I don't know if you can top your little Steven story, but do you have other stories from shows uh, that you might want to share? Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, having the opportunity to, uh, the, the, the first time I had an opportunity to get, well, Here's kind of a funny story. So when you're, you know, when you're mayor, you, you don't get free tickets, even even though, you know, as I always say, uh, it's it, it was the building that we, you know, the yeah, city exactly. owned and yeah. all that stuff. And as a council member, it's like, no, you don't get to, you don't get to go for free, you get to pay. Uh, so on the rising tour, he came and I was on the city council at the time. And uh, of course, everybody, you know, thinks that you're the access to tickets. And so yeah. I called up the uh, manager of the, uh, of the, uh, the ex- at the time and and he and i said hey uh jack i need i need to i need to get some tickets for springsteen he goes oh yeah sure no problem give me your credit card number gave him the credit card number he goes he goes well how many do you need i go 32 <laughs> he goes he goes what he goes 32 he goes can you do? i go like jack, everybody's calling me they want you know particularly with the rising and after 9-11 yeah so 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 he's like okay you know and how many thousands of dollars yeah my credit my credit card company called and said what you know somebody must have stolen your credit card i'm like no unfortunately no yes (laughs) yeah fortunately no i think i think i got paid back for most of them but there was a funny moment where where one of our one of our very best friends uh um a woman who one of my wife's best friends uh and she had grown up very you know she grew up late in a Bruce Springsteen song. She grew up in Elyria, Ohio. Okay. Uh, her backyard was the freeway. Um, her dad had to leave uh, for months at a time to try to find any kind of work to support the family. You know, hell, and, and so, you know, she and I really bonded over our love for Bruce. And whenever we, the, the, she and her husband and Connie and I would go on our, our trips, you know, Anna and I would sit in the car singing. All, all the Springsteen songs together and annoying the hell out of uh, out of the other two. And um, so I, I had two tickets. There's another story attached to that, but I won't bore you. I had two wristbands to get onto the floor. 
Okay. So my buddy from California, who, who I talked about that I worked in Glacier with had flown in for the show. Uh, he had seen Bruce dozens and dozens of times, but had never been anywhere close to the stage. But he comes in. So he, the two of us are sitting on the, on the, um, the floor right in front of the stage. And I looked up into the audience and I saw our friend, Anne, and she just, you could see the envy and the jealousy on her face. Like, oh my God, I can't believe it. This is so, so, so I went up into the crowd, got her and I said, Anne, come with me. You're my wife for the evening. And I, and I kind of, I kind of city council member in my way onto the floor with Anne. Right. She didn't have a wristband. Oh, that's and, funny. And about, about halfway through the show, you know, Bruce is, Bruce is walking the catwalk and he stands right in front of her and he does one of those shakes and, you know, um, Bruce, Bruce puts a lot of energy to the show. There's a lot of yes. perspiration yes, and, he, and he shakes and she just gets covered in, in her, in, in, in his sweat. And she turns to me and she goes, anything you want from me for the rest of your life, I will do. <laughs> so, so fast forward a few years later, I get elected mayor and I said, Ann, I want you to be my deputy mayor. And she says, oh, I don't know that I can do that. I go, remember Bruce? And she goes, okay, yeah, you got me. Oh, how <laughs> funny. So she was my deputy mayor, my first deputy mayor. That's hilarious. Well, uh, so I don't know if you remember, but um, if you do, I would love to hear your side of, because Betsy showed the story, shared the story about she will, you pushed her so she could touch Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd love to hear your side of that story. Well, you know, listen, I, I appreciate, uh, you know, First of all, that you have to understand the dynamic in the Twin Cities, which for years the uh, the two cities were kind of rivals more than they were okay. Twin Cities, uh, or maybe they were fighting twins, whatever. But they, but but uh, when I got elected mayor and the and Betsy's predecessor, and he and they started to actually act together, and then so okay. it became really a big thing. And then Betsy becomes mayor, and she, I mean, we were friends anyways beforehand, but um, but you know, just really always enjoyed enjoyed her and she's and she's a Bruce fan so you know so I'm trying to remember the specifics because there are a couple of different aspects of the story but but you know how I mean there's a couple of things where you're where you know when you're in the in the crowd and Bruce is going to do the crowd serve I remember the first yeah. time I had my son on the floor and all of a sudden this you know the security guard starts pushing my son and I was you know I'm getting really sure. a parental on this thing and I'm getting really mad Going, why is he? Why is he pushing my my son? I can't. What, what is he doing? And then I then I realized that they were trying to get the scrum together so that yeah. Bruce could do the crowd here. So I think I think it was something along those lines where you know where where they're, they're starting to form the crowd. And I'm like, come on, Betsy, get over here, get over here, get over here. And and then you know the next thing you know Bruce is Bruce is kind of flying above her, and she's yeah. kind of the, that same thing of like whatever you know, and yeah. uh, you know. It's, it, I've, I've that's actually been one of the funnest things I've been able to do is, is to to kind of to help you know others have that experience because yes. uh you know when you're when you're two inches from Bruce and he's giving it us all yeah um, that's just it's like a it's like a hurricane yeah it, it it really is and it's that um you know the the idea of how passionate he is and how much he continues to strive and, and kind of um, keep pushing the boundaries. Like, I, I don't know. Um, do you have any thoughts on letter to you, the latest album? You know, I, I will uh, be honest in saying that I haven't listened to it fully. Okay. Um, 
you know, I kind of, I, I, I know the, you know, the, the title song, yeah, which I really enjoy, and I think is is really a, a nice song um, for the time and for, mm-hmm. you know, the time in his life and, and all those things. I, I I'm not really ver- conversant on on that. Okay. So I just kind of we'll get we'll get. I know that I will get to that in, in due time. In due time, yes. Yeah, but That's, but you know, one of the things I don't think people understand uh, how much Bruce gives. You know, when he was doing the whole river tour, and then. You know, you're exhausted after after he gets through all the songs on the river, and and he was just getting started. Yes, absolutely. And it was om- and he was almost doing his three hour marathon shows, and and I was in a position on that tour where I could see that he would go back behind the 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 all of the equipment, mm-hmm. and he would just lay down in between, you know, and and just like rest for for three minutes while you know people yeah. are calling for an encore because he had given it everything yeah wow um and, and uh and you know that is i i find very few musicians that are that are at bruce's stage in his career that deserve to fill up a, a large arena and he fills it as well as he did when i first saw him in 78 yeah um you know i certainly understand people if you do not like the new album or, you know, didn't like Western stars or everything. Um, but I was really offended. Uh, someone posted on Facebook, you know, one of the Springsteen groups that, you know, Bruce should quit releasing new music because he's, he's um, destroying his legacy. And nice. I went, okay, dude, yeah. dude. Yeah. You don't get, you, you, you don't, well, you don't get who he is. You don't understand. Yeah. And by the way, you know, Bruce isn't fixed in time at, at 22 years old. and at the Stone Exactly. Ball, yeah. Know, I mean, he's, he gets to mature like everybody else and, and, and tell it, you know, I mean, if I had to go back in time and say, which albums are going to have done without, it was, you know, Tunnel of Love, even though there were some good songs on that, that, yeah. that kind of phase in his career that didn't speak to me particularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but that was where he was at. So who am I to judge? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, well, we shouldn't have released those albums. I'm like, that's where he was at. Yeah, exactly. That, that was his, that was his, that's what music is about. That's what art is about. Yeah. You know. Um, I, I do want to just go a little bit. Um, talk about your work with the uh, Habitat for Humanity a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, uh, thanks for asking because um, it really is, it really means a lot to me. Uh, yeah. to be able to be in this position, you know, first of all, Habitat for Humanity is, is um, one of the great organizations of all time. Uh, it, there's myth around it. First of all, everybody thinks Jimmy Carter started it, which he, he didn't, but he and uh, Rosalind are the are, are two biggest and best volunteers. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, people think, well, they, they build homes and they give them to people for free. Well, they don't, you know, people People have to take out a mortgage and do all of those things, but we make it affordable for them so that they don't have to pay more than 30% of their income for, for, for their housing. Um, but, you know, when I was mayor in my previous life, you know, I've done everything. I was a public defender for a long time. Yeah. I was a prosecutor for a while. I've done a bunch of different jobs, but, you know, I've, I've seen kind of the, the, you know, humanity from a lot of different perspectives and the challenges that people face and why they face them and, you know the systemic racism that that underlies so much of the the, the issues that we see in our society, 
Yeah. And nowhere does that systemic racism play out more than, than the lack of access to, to uh, affordable home ownership, you know, right. systematic denial of African-Americans opportunity to, to buy, you know, when you were, when my day, when I, my dad came back from world war two, you know, he grew up dirt poor. My mom grew up even poorer. Uh, and, and he came back as a veteran and he was able to buy a house on the GI bill and then he built equity. And then he was, you know, as the family grew, he was able to build a bigger house. And, you know, when I, when I was in law school, I was able to buy a house because my mom had, you know, had resources because she had built equity in her homes Right. and she could, you know, I would say, like most people, I went to the first national bank of mom and dad to, yeah. to borrow money uh, for, for my down payment. And that opportunity was denied. So if you're if you're a vet, an African American veteran coming back from World War II, having served your country overseas, having put your life at risk, you weren't able to access the GI Bill. Not because the law said that you couldn't, but because of the way banks loan money, because of the way that uh, communities redlined uh, areas where where African Americans could buy houses. And so that so so the effects of that decision post World War II, which is not all that long ago. Um, ripple today, where less than 25% of African American families in Minnesota own their own homes, and 75 plus percent of the white community owns their own home in, in the state. And so that means that the average wealth of an African American family is pennies on the dollar of the average, average white family because they don't have that equity built. And that has ripple effects. Think about it during the time of COVID. You know, where, where home has become everything. It's now your office. Yeah. It's your, it's your gym. It is your classroom. It is everything. And if you don't have the stability of a home uh, and you don't have the financial wealth that accumulates as a result of owning a home and having that investment, then you're denied the opportunities that I was given um, as a child of a, of a returning veteran from World War II. Yeah. And so we just see we see these ripple effects, and, and we really, if we're going to solve disparities in healthcare outcomes, if we're going to solve disparities in educational outcomes, and and in economic standing, you know, all of these things, I, I really fundamentally believe that it starts with the ability of people to buy homes. Uh, yeah. And so, so we're we're playing our role in the Twin Cities. We have affiliates across the country, and of course, uh, Habitat actually started off building homes overseas for, for communities in Africa. And now we have relationships in countries all across the globe. I think somewhere in the eighties, uh, uh, different countries that we, that we build homes in. And so it's really, truly a remarkable faith-based organization, but it's really about serving, uh, all, all people wherever they're at. And, and, uh, you know, hopefully we can move the needle on, on, uh, on these inequalities that we see particularly playing out now with COVID. You know, one of the things that, and I know just a little bit about the charity, uh, but the idea, um, yeah, what is the old um, parable, right? Like all the fish are in have, the ocean have hit the beach, right? And they're all flopping around and oh, yeah. someone so, picks yeah. the fish and throws it back in there. Well, you aren't doing anything. Well, I made a difference for that one right. fish, right? Yep, 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 absolutely. And I, I, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I... I so I, I, I always have liked that story. Yeah. Um, uh, but we can't be satisfied by, by saving one starfish. Right. You know? Exactly. Um, that, that first of all, we're a better country than that. Yes. Um, and, and, and second of all, if we want to be an even better country 
then we have to address this underlying inequality. There's just, you can't sustain this. Uh, first of all, the, the disappearing middle class is real. I mean, the, the, the haves and the have nots, you know, you look at what billionaires have done under COVID where they have increased their, their wealth. I, I heard one statistic that, um, something I, I, I won't quote it correctly, but if you just took the wealth that the billionaires have accumulated since the beginning of the COVID virus, and and gave like five thousand dollars to every family at some level, whatever the, yeah. and it, 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 I don't know the specifics, but it was just one of those you know ridiculously holy cow. The disparity yeah. here is is so great, and so so you tell me you know if if uh, if your average healthcare worker can't afford to live in the community in which they're serving, if the average police officer, or firefighter, or teacher can't afford, you know, and has to live, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 miles away because it's the only place that they can afford. Yeah. Uh, and then they have to pay for gas and all those other things. You know, what, how are we going to sustain the community that we, you know, and, it, and, and we were, this is just crazy. And, and, and again, I think the one clear way that we can, we can help families is if we can get them into home ownership, then that, that, then that is a multi-generational game changer for those families uh, where they have re, you know the so the reap the benefits of of that of that generational multi generational wealth that that occurred as a result of of building equity in a home. And what what frustrates me as a guy is I, I saw someone on Twitter uh, you know tweet that um, you know fifteen bucks an hour is right at thirty thirty one thousand and they said that and you know, a starting teacher in Texas only makes about that. And so we're supposed to pay people at McDonald's the same money. We're playing someone who's gotten a four-year degree, you know, and a teaching certificate. And rightly so, he got, you know, pulverized with, that's the wrong point. How do you see that statement and go, oh, we should pay teachers more, not we should keep things, you know, and, and, a, a rising oh. tide raises all boats. I know it's a cliche, yeah. but the reality is if you right. own a home, you're right. going to be a better citizen and right. therefore you'll be and, more productive. And the reality of it is uh, you can't go, you know, McDonald's wants to hire a starting wage, you know, a starting worker. They're paying close, you know, when, when all is said and done, they're paying close and probably over $15 an hour when you add yeah. benefits uh, and right. insurance and, things so the idea that you that you can hire somebody for less than fifteen dollars an hour i mean you can argue about whether that should include benefits and various things but but you know you tell any employer and they're, they're probably paying closer to 22 or 23 bucks for an entry-level yeah. worker because that's what because the market's tight i mean it, it is know, I, 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 so so that's what people are paying so there's so it's a little disingenuous to that a you know suggests that People shouldn't have to pay fifteen bucks an hour because they're already paying that or yeah. close to it. Uh, second of all, second of all, uh, I don't know about you, but if you say that teaching is the most important profession, um, you know what you value by what you're willing to pay for it. Yes. And if we're only paying our teachers thirty thousand bucks an hour, it tells me that you don't actually believe that yeah. teaching is the most important profession. Um, and and if you're going to continue to uh, make it impossible for a teacher to live yes. on the salary that he or she receives as a, you know, uh, in wages, um, then you can't expect to, to continue to attract a quality pool. I mean, people will do it and they'll do it for a short period of time, 
but at some point, you know, the strains and the stresses of it, people go, I, I can go, you know, be a clerk at a, at a department store and make more money than this. Yeah. And I, and I do believe there are people that have a calling to be an educator, yeah, but we're stretching them far on that. Well, um, why, why should we torture them? Because exactly. They, because, yeah. Because they want to do what I could know. I couldn't, yeah, exactly. I couldn't have been a teacher, I, you know, um, and, and I was really glad that my children were blessed with a great public education. Well, and absolutely. And I, what, what frustrates me and is that we're seeing all this during this pandemic, right? That parents are having to do teaching and they're having to do it and, and they fight this. And we're seeing, as you said, someone without a home, you know, worried about their rent and everything. And there is just, um, we need to do better. And I think um, yeah. people like yourselves well, and this, you know, these kind of organizations are trying to do that. Well, and I, I think my, you know, my frustration when you hear it from folks that say, well, I earned all this on my own. And I'm like, well, let's really analyze this thing, right? Did you yeah. really earn it on your own or what, what help did you get along with? You know, what, what role, uh, well, I, I started a trucking firm and I did this all on my own. Well, well, how did those trucks travel between states? Oh, on roads that were built by government. Oh, I get yes. it. I, I see. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, and almost anything, you know, this idea yeah. that I did it all on my own and I didn't, I didn't need any government support. I mean, you know, farmers that, you know, look at, you know, the backbone of our, of our, of our country and of our globe. Yeah. But, but the idea that, you know, I, well, I did this all on my own. Well, there was a lot of support for farmers when they, yeah. you know, whether it was dairy price supports or whatever, that doesn't mean, and I, not in any way implying that not deservedly so. Yeah. But but don't tell me that 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 other people aren't deserving um, when you've had assistance and, and help in in being you know getting where you were at. Uh, yeah. Even, even if you're still struggling, you know. Um, I, I just I mean I just it's so frustrating because there, there's and I think it's been particularly exacerbated over the last four years an us versus them mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that you know getting back to the topic at hand. I mean, I think, I think Bruce in his songs realizes that, yes, there is individualism and there are, you know, individual decisions and responsibilities, but that collectively, uh, if we're going to be the land of hope and dreams, uh, we have, we can't be uh, the land of us versus them. And I think well said, Chris, that, you know, we, we, you know, I know we take care of our own, he says with his tongue firmly in cheek, but the reality is that is what we should do, right? The, to the least of these. And uh, yeah. so I, 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 well said, sir, well said. Um, to going back to Bruce, um, are there songs or albums that you turn to on a regular basis, either to help you cope with stress or to celebrate or get you through tough times? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, having having been uh, reared on on uh, Born to Run, you know that yeah. that that album continues to, you know, I, I'm I'm still a believer that uh, uh, Thunder Road is you know is my favorite. I kind of hard to get beyond sure. that, that uh, you know what that song meant to me growing up. Um, so I always I, I kind of like that, but. But I really love. I think Nebraska is one of the finest albums. Sure. Uh, I mean, I just uh, the, really. Um, I just found that amazing uh, because yeah. it was it felt like such a departure, 
and yet really channeled Woody Guthrie and yeah, exactly. all of the songs. So, uh, just, uh, just a, a amazing, um, amazing album. So I, I love a lot of stuff on that. Um, the river, uh, you know, once you get going, it's kind of hard to say, uh, yeah. you know, they're just, some of it's just kind of dependent upon, on, uh, you know, what, what mood you're in at any yeah, particular time. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but uh, uh, if I'm, if I'm melancholy, uh, uh, a lot of the songs from the river sing to me, sing to me. Yeah. I, I, I could get that. I could see that a lot. Absolutely. Um, so before we get to the Mary question, what, sh- what have I not asked you? I should have Chris. Well, you know, it, it's been, first of all, really fun to just kind of reminisce and, and think about, about that, you know, I mean, it, it does kind of re- remind me of back when I was 18 or 19 years old, sitting around listening to uh, the, the Wild, the Innocent, and the East Street Shuffle talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. And then, they, then the offshoots of Southside Johnny and various things, you know, Talk, yeah. Talk to Me is one of my favorite Bruce songs that, uh, you know, that, yeah. that he, he didn't uh, get famous for. And, you know, there's a couple of, of course, Because of the Night and some of those things, mm-hmm. but... Um, you know, it's, it's, so it's been fun, and and you know, it it it's. Uh, I I really was struck reading Bruce's biography. Yeah. About about how you know the challenges that he faced in his life and, and yes. faces in his life, and you know, and I think it's really important for people to understand. You know, they see this guy who's a, you know one of the greatest performers of all time and you know you think everything is 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 you know cake and frosting and all of those things and 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 i just am i'm very uh, appreciative and aware of the struggle and that the line in in springsteen on broadway where he's you know um i I forget exactly how he said it but he's you know he's describing his father as his father was the one you know through which he could see the window through which he could see all of the you know all of the horrors in life or whatever yeah and then he's and then he said but my mother was was the person who kept me from jumping through it yeah uh, uh that line from the wish where he talks about that yeah um yeah and i i know that i was really impressed with the candor bruce shared about mm. his depression and and the demons he fought and even yeah. when he was success, you know, when he talked about his first marriage and how he totally took ownership of that and in the idea that um, his struggles and worries, that was he going to be the kind of father that his father was and, and the other thing. So, yeah, I agree. It was just really beautiful. Um, are your siblings fans? Um, not as not anywhere near what I am. Okay. For, for sure. I mean, my, my brother, who's a musician, absolutely, mm-hmm. you know, but he was, he was more of a world beat reggae guy. Yeah. You know, his, his guy was yeah. Bob Marley. Uh-huh. Um, and, um, you know, I, I'm probably the, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not the professional musician, but I'm the most uh, kind of musically okay. uh, interested uh, of the, of the rest of the siblings. So. Yeah. And the, your, my, my my oldest brother could sing any Irish rebel song. That I, I, yeah, the paper, but yeah. that sounds fun. Did uh, yeah. how about your the your children? You've you've mentioned at least going to a couple of shows with you. Yeah, 
Yep. Um, it, you know, it, interestingly, because both my kids are, are really into music and it, I don't listen to a lot of the stuff they listen yeah. to. Um, but I, I took my son, I haven't taken my daughter to a, a Bruce show, but I, I took my son and just like, you have to go. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that he just, uh, he was blown away. Uh, by I, I will say, I don't think he, you know, went out and downloaded every, every Bruce album or yeah. anything like that, but he was, he just, he, he came away in awe. And so, yeah. you know, I, I appreciated having that opportunity to, uh, to, to share that show with him. Yeah, that's nice. You know, it's yeah. uh, today on the sports station I listened to, there was a whole segment on why do we, why do we, why do we raise our children to support the sports teams we support even though we know we're setting them up for sadness right heartbreak and then specifically hey hey, you're talking to a vikings fan who has passed this that the sickness to his son so yes well i understand that my son i i i was listening to the segment and at the red light i texted my son like are you listening to the tick you know are you listening and then um he called me and said, dad, were you listening? I said, did you not see my text? He goes, no. He said, I hadn't yet. He said, this is us. He said, you know, um, funny story. Um, he was, he was born in 89. He tells, um, everyone he was born during the Landry era. Like he, Tom Landry did not get fired for like two weeks after he was born. So he says, I'm a Landry baby. I'm a Landry baby. I'm a Landry guy. yeah." Yeah. And so, um, and and so he was the the NFC championship game against the Cowboys were playing San Francisco and they were down 21 nothing right away Barry Switzer's first year as a coach and he started crying that they were doing he was very young right he's like four or five and my wife looked at me like you did this to him you did this to him and so now then you know um at 31 uh, he just is every year he's like I just want to get to the NFC championship game. Like I don't even yeah. worry about the Super Bowl right now. If I could just get to the NFC championship game, we would care. Yeah. And so absolutely. Well, that was that. Yeah. That was after, after one of the Vikings crushingly stupid defeats at, at in the playoffs a couple of years yeah. ago, I think, I think it was when they, they shanked a, a 20 year field goal to win it against the Eagle. And uh, my son calls me up and goes, well, dad, I, I guess I'm a Minnesotan today. yes absolutely absolutely uh so the reason i brought that up is um bruce has not disappointed my son though like he has he has embraced that and i i always make that joke i said um um like I won't wear a cowboy jersey some Sundays. I'll wear a Springsteen shirt, and I'm like, Springsteen never disappoints me. <laughs> you does know, not, does not disappoint. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's right. Yeah. All right, uh, Chris, this has been great. Um, before we wrap it up, I've got to ask you the merry question. So, for those of you who may not have heard the show before, and I hope you've enjoyed uh, our discussion with um, Chris, um, Jay Armstrong is an honors English teacher. He just recently retired, but uh, for many years, he taught um, honors English and his seniors, they would take two days and they would study Thunder Road. They would go through all the lyrics, go through the imagery, kind of compare it to Robert Frost, the road not taken. And then at the end of the two days, he would look at his class and say, does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road? So Chris, that is your question. Do you think Mary gets in the car? 
I, I have a hard time with the question because I, I can't imagine any other scenario under which uh, uh, that song could have ended other than her getting in the car. And, and, uh, and of course, this, the, the sad tragedy of it is all is she, he got married pregnant and that was all she wrote. Yep. For his Absolutely. 19th birthday, he got a card and a wedding coat. So, I mean, that I, I assume that she got in the car and it didn't work out long term. <laughs> you know, the other thing someone brought up is that if you listen to Racing in the Street, um, they talk about my babies on her daddy's porch. And he goes, is that the porch that she walked on listening to Roy Orbison? And I said, I mm. bet you it is. So, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah really well played. Well, I, I wonder if you went back to when it was the original version of it, when it was Wings for Wheels or something like yeah. that. Uh, are, is there any tell in in, in that? that I, I don't know. Um, it's funny is um, someone said, well, if you ever get Bruce, you know, then you'd have the answer. And I go, well, no, because. Yeah, um, he ain't going to tell you. Yeah. And also the idea, um, Isaac Asimov was doing a lecture and he was talking about a story and someone in the hall raised his hand and said, Dr. Asimov, I don't think that's what the story's about. And, you know, Asimov said, I wrote the story. Of course, that's what it's about. And the fan said, just because you wrote it, what makes you think you know what it's about? Right. And, and Asimov well, said, I think you're right. Yeah. And so I think Bruce knows what he meant but I think 60-40, um, 60% say yes, 40% of the people I ask say no. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's like uh, you know, going back to my uh, intro to theater class and yeah. many years ago and talking about waiting for Godot. Well, what do you, yeah. what do you think happened? You know? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, and, it, and it doesn't matter, quite frankly, what the author said. It's, yeah. it's, what, it, it's what it says to you. Absolutely. Um, and, I, and I think that that's probably true. I absolutely agree. Um, so a couple things. One, if someone wants to help with um, the habit, you know, humanity, habitat, bleh, I'm growing a blank for yeah. the humanity. Yeah, habitat for humanity. Habit, habitat habit for, humanity. for humanity. Yeah. Yep. How uh, do uh, just look for their local chapter and donate? Yep. Look, uh, the there is likely to be a local affiliate in, in their community because there's 1300 uh, okay. and you can not only donate, but more importantly, you can go out and uh, swing the hammer. Uh, and uh, it, I said, if Jimmy Carter in his nineties can go out and uh, help build a house, you can too. Um, and so, you know, whether you're a faith group or a work group or whatever, uh, can you know, contact your local affiliate. Uh, of course, you're always willing to send money directly to Twin Cities Habitat for Humanity. Yes. Uh, and then there's the international that supports uh, the mission across the across the globe. Uh, we have built millions of houses for for folks in uh, in devastated uh, flood areas and, and uh, in areas of intense poverty. Um, and uh, it really is truly a global mission. And um, the the most core of of what we as fellow human beings should do for other fellow human beings. Absolutely. And um, I was lucky enough. Um, in 2019, uh, my wife and I took a day, uh, took a long weekend and went to Atlanta and we were able to tour the presidential library there. Mm -hmm. And uh, President Carter, pretty badass as an ex-president. I mean, talk about using yeah. your life to be yeah. you know, so pretty amazing. Yeah, I think I think he's underrated as an actual president 
but yeah. he clearly is second to none in terms of next president. Absolutely. All right. Um, any other final thoughts? Well, I tell you, just what a blast. Thanks, Jesse, for, for bringing me on. And, uh, and uh, I hope you get Bruce someday. I hope so too. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot Betsy a quick email telling her I appreciate it. Um, if yeah. someone wants to reach you, what's the best way they can? Uh, Chris.Coleman at, at TCHFH.com. Uh, okay. All right. Or dot org. Right. Sorry. Okay. Uh, Very nice. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Well, listeners, you please be safe. Remember to wash your hands. Remember to social distance. Wear an effing mask. Let's be good to each other because really that's the only way we're going to get through this. And Chris, thank you. Listeners, thank you. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation. And I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlessingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter, at setlustingbruce, and my personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. We have a website, www.setlustingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts, as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Brew shirts, as well as a Mary Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only. That Listening Bruce. Set Listening Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set Listening Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 